0: So today we're going to continue the series that Mark started last week. This year we're rebuilding the ruins of a Christian worldview that is in tatters in a world that says, who cares what Christians think? The world says, does Christianity make any difference? The world says, are Christians any different to the world? But that's what we're doing this year. We're looking at lots of different topics and we're saying, how does the Christian worldview tell us the truth? about biology, about psychology. So last week, Mark started this series on the Christian worldview of psychology and how the Christian worldview is very different to the world's view of psychology. And we learned all about the nature of us, of mankind, of humanity last week. So we're going to continue that this week. And this week, we're going to be focusing on how what we think is oh so important to God, what we think is really important in terms of our walk with God and our witness for God. Our thoughts are very important. We say it's just a thought. But you know, that bull with the red flag, he tempts us, the red flag are the thoughts that he wants us to agree to. God's word says sin is crouching at our door. We have to be careful to understand sin crouches at our door through our mind. The red flag is the thought. That's what's tempting. It's the thought that comes to us. And we as Christians need to discern which thoughts we need to cast down and throw away and which thoughts we need to keep and meditate on, and act on. Emily said to us this morning, let's not just worship with singing here this morning. Let it be more than that. Let us worship, she said, with our thoughts and with our actions. Everything we think is an opportunity to worship God. Everything we do is an opportunity to worship God. Thoughts are very important in worshipping God. We've got to figure out, Which thoughts to cast down and which thoughts to keep. So, today we're going to be looking at a Christian worldview of psychology. And an important part of a Christian worldview to psychology is to say we need to take responsibility for those thoughts in our head that we've decided to keep and the thoughts we've decided to discard. A really well-known Christian psychologist, his name is um, Larry Crabb, he says to us, we need, as a very first step, to say we need to take moral responsibility for our lives and that starts with taking responsibility for our thoughts. He says we need to be responsible for confessing sin. And that includes confessing those thoughts that we know are wrong thoughts. Confessing those thoughts that we know would not please God. Those thoughts that we've meditated on for too long, which conceives and becomes sin when we act on those thoughts. That's number one. Then he says, number two, we need to willfully, that is make a choice willfully and firmly turning from it. We need to throw that thought out and say that's not in line with Jesus' teaching, that's not in line with his truth, and turn from it. That means not hold on to it, but turn and think differently to the way the world thinks. And number three, we've got to practice something new. We've got to practice a new behavior, believing that the indwelling spirit will provide all the needed strength we need to think differently to the world, to act differently to the world. And if the devil says to you, you can't do it, you've failed before, you can stand strong in God's spirit and say, with Christ I can do all things. You have the spiritual armor. You need to put it on to fight the enemy and the enemy's thoughts. Paul says it this way. He says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self and your old way of thinking. We need to put it off. There's an activity here involved in putting off the old thinking, the wrong thinking. You see, that old thinking, the wrong thinking, it's being corrupted by its deceitful desires. There's a selfish desire behind the old thinking, the old way. Paul says to us, be made new in the attitude of your minds. This change has to start with what's going on in our head. The little chitter-chatter self-talk in our head is dangerous territory unless we put off the old and become new in our minds. Paul says, put on the new self because we're created new in Jesus. Something significant happened when each one of us was saved. He gave us a new self, but we've got to put it on. And we're putting on something to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we're putting on his thoughts. We're putting on his behavior. So our thinking is just like God's. Our behavior is just like God's. We've got a journey. There's work for us to do. There's activity for us to do to live in the new self. But how do we do that? How do do we put off the old? How do we put on the new? Well, the answer lies in a Christian view of psychology, in a Christian view about how the mind works, in a Christian view of thinking. I want you to watch a fairly short clip now and I want you to think about how this clip explains to us how to put off the old and how to put on the new self. There's a life that you were meant to live and there's a life that I was meant to live. In fact, Jesus has a plan and a life for every single human being on this earth. But are we living it? We've got it, but are we living it? Are we putting it on? There's a life with a plan for you. Do you get that? There's a plan for you. We're meant to be living out that plan. God gives us the power to live out that plan. He gives it to us, but we've got to put it on. God says to us in Jeremiah, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This is a beautiful, well-known verse. But do we take hold of this truth and say, for me personally, God has a plan that I'm meant to live out on this earth. I'm significant. Are we living out the life we were meant to live? There's plenty of people who aren't. You see, the Christian worldview of psychology says... We can't live out the life we were meant to live when we're addicted to sin. The World Health Organization says that by 2020, depression will account for the highest level of disability of any physical or mental disorder in the world. Depression. A problem of the mind. Already in Australia, significant levels of depression affect 20% of adults in their lifetime. People are looking at the red flag. They're believing the red flag. They're believing the lies. The lie that says, there's no plan or purpose for you. You're insignificant. How many billions of people are on this earth? You see, when people are depressed, they think differently to people who aren't depressed. They don't realise that what's going on in their head is actually where the battle is going on, where the deception is going on. You see, we know now that people who are depressed, when they think about themselves, they will agree with the statement, I'm a failure, no one loves me. People that are depressed will think, When they look at the world, they think, there's no good out there. People that are depressed will think, when I think about the future, I don't ever think things are going to improve. They're the red flags these people take on board and believe are true. But Jeremiah says, my plans give you hope for the future. There's no hope in these people that are caught up in depression, in these deceptive thoughts. We have to understand that the way we think can have a big impact on our lives and on those around us. The pain and suffering that's caused by the faulty thinking that we believe, by the deceptive thoughts that we just hold on to, We've got to understand that holding on to deceptive thoughts, believing thoughts that may be familiar, but just because they're familiar doesn't make them true. We've got to understand that our thinking can either take us towards the life that we're meant to live or away from the life we are meant to live. And when things get so bad, when things get so painful, when things look so hopeless... It's tempting to cover our eyes and just run. The temptation is to avoid it. I don't want to think about it anymore. This is all too hard and all too painful. And you know, that's the worst thing we can do is avoid the pain, avoid the suffering, avoid thinking about anything too important. Just do something to take my mind off the heavy stuff. I want to get on to fun and entertainment. Whew. But it's only temporary. We must take responsibility for every thought and every action. Unless we take responsibility, our hands will stay on our eyes and we'll stay lost and we'll stay depressed in a world that is hopeless. David tells us about what happened when he tried to avoid the pain, avoid the guilt. He says to us in Psalm 32, he says... When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. Something changes here. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my inequity. He took his hands away and said, I need to take responsibility for my sin. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You see, plenty of us have guilt. The world feels guilty, but only a Christian worldview has a solution for the guilt. We have a way through the pain and suffering We can take our hands away because we have a solution. The world keeps its hands over their sin because they don't have a solution to the guilt. They just want to hide, have a good time and don't think too much. The problem is, though, the world is drowning in sin. So what happened? How did we get to this place? This is what we looked at last week. We looked at what happened to humanity and to understand the solution to the guilt, we need to understand the source of the guilt. And that's what we learnt last week. We learnt in Genesis 3.6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom... She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. You see, sin says, if it feels good, if it's pleasing and if it's desirable, hold on to that thought. Meditate on that thought because it feels good, pleasing and desirable. And once you hold on to that long enough, you'll act on that and you'll take that apple and take a bite. We have to be so careful to listen to what God is telling us to hold on to and what to throw out. If we can throw those wrong thoughts that the devil wants us to believe out, we're on the path to living the life that we were meant to live. We're not going to be living the life we're meant to live if we decide to hold on to anything that feels good, pleasing and desirable and act on that. Now the only thing we're going to do is get further and further down the sin highway. You see, that clip is saying to us, the more you think wrong thoughts, the bigger the highway is in your head. And the bigger the highway is in your head, the more familiar it becomes. And the more familiar it becomes, the more you think, oh, well, this kind of feels comfortable. Maybe it's right. In fact, we just think that way. We don't even think whether it's right or wrong. The sin problem is the key. Overcoming the sin problem is the key to living the life we're meant to live. We learnt last week what sin is. In the Old Testament, it says a miss, a misstep, a slip of the foot. In the New Testament, to be without a share in, to miss the mark, to err, to be mistaken. It's D and E that we're going to focus on today. Sin is to miss or wander. From the path of uprightness and honour To do or go wrong You see we wander from the way of holiness From the path of uprightness Because that red flag It's kind of good and pleasing and desirable Sin is to wander from the law of God To violate God's law To sin You see At salvation, we were saved from the power of sin, which is a tremendous, amazing work that Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. So we're saved from being slaves of sin. We're free. We're no longer locked into only thinking what's good, what's pleasing, and what's desirable. So we have a way out. But that's not where it ends. You see, sin is crouching at the door. And if we're slack in our thinking, we're going to let those thoughts in. So we've got to look at the sin problem as being we're freed from sin and the power of sin at salvation. But it's not over. Sin is crouching at our door. Are we aware of that or are we just letting sin in? Paul says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. So he says, thank you. It's because of what Jesus did that I can think another way, that my mind can be focused on God's law. But in the sinful nature or in the flesh, we were a slave to the law of sin. So we have a choice You see, we were slaves of the law of sin. This is the only way we could think. And these walls, there's no way out. The only way we could think was what feels good, what feels pleasing and what feels desirable. That's it. We don't think we're locked in at the time because we feel like we're free to choose whatever we want. But there's no other way. We're locked in. We're slaves to sin here. But you see, Jesus says, I'm going to find a way for you to exit. He says, let me give you a way out. Let me provide you with an exit out of this highway and onto a new way of holiness, a new way of righteousness. You can exit out here. You were locked in before, but I've opened it up. You can think a new and living way now. You can live a new and living way. I give you that power to overcome the hold that sin had on you. He said, here it is. Here's the exit. And the exit was through confession, forgiveness and repentance. That's the way out. That was the way out. But it continues to be the way out for us. Hebrews says to us in 10.14, he says, By one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So by one sacrifice, he makes us perfect. We have a perfect standing in front of God. There's no other way we can have a perfect standing in front of God. But positionally, we are perfect. But that's not it. He says, made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. There's a way of holiness. He says, I haven't finished yet. Positionally, you're perfect in front of Jesus. But now, step aboard, take my hand on the way of holiness and you're going to become more like me. Every step, every thought, every action is helping us to become holy if we take Jesus' hand and agree with the way he says to think and agree with the way he says to act. It doesn't stop here. Sin is still crouching at our door. Still, sin is still tempting us to go back. You haven't really changed. Really. You haven't really changed is the temptation in our head. Come this way. This feels so much better. This is too hard. Don't you think God's a bit full on? I mean, seriously, go an extra mile. Oh, that doesn't feel good or pleasing or desirable. I think I'll go back and rest over here. We've got to understand He's active, the devil. He doesn't want you over here. Let's have a look in our Bibles at how this looks in practice. Let's look at Simon the sorcerer. So open your Bibles in the book of Acts, chapter 8. So let's read from Acts, chapter 8, starting from verse 9. So what we're going to do is we're going to read, read about Simon the sorcerer. And we're going to look at Simon's life and we're going to understand from Simon's life what difference it makes, whether or not we continue on thinking in terms of the law of sin or whether we're actually actively thinking about the law of God and thinking about wanting to be doing and thinking whatever's obedient to God's word. So look carefully at Simon's life. We can learn from Simon's life here. So we start from verse 9. Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery, which is magic. He practiced magic in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. Okay, so this guy Simon, he's got an ability here. And the ability he has is to perform magic. We continue. He said he boasted that he was someone great. Ah, so as a result of having this ability to perform magical tricks, he's thinking in his head, oh, I can boast about self. So you can see what he's thinking by what he's doing. So... He boasted that he was someone great and all the people both high and low gave him their attention. Ooh, self likes that, attention for self. Because, you know, getting lots of positive attention and accolades and people telling you're great, Oh, that feels good, that feels pleasing, that feels desirable. Ooh, okay, we're starting to learn and understand a little bit more about Simon. We keep going. So people both high and low gave their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. Ooh, he's got a great name for self now. Ooh. man, we're really getting to know Simon. Okay. So he's called the great power of God. And they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. He was performing lots of magic tricks. So this ability that he has, so in his mind he's thinking, I'm pretty good at performing magical tricks. And he's thinking, wow, if I perform that, oh wow, I can boast about what I'm doing, get lots of attention and I get a great name for me. And it says here, it says um, that he did this again and again. He amazed them for a long time. So this didn't happen once. So in his head, he's saying, I've got a really good ability to perform magic tricks. Wow, I, I really have a great name for myself. So the first time he does that, and this happens in our head. This is what we don't realize. We don't realize what's happening in our head when we're thinking something and we're doing something. You're doing something in your head. It's those pathways we saw in the clip. If you think a thought one time, there's one connection. But he did this for a long time, over and over again. Did a magic trick. Woo, Simon, you're great. Woo! This went on and on. So in Simon's brain, this is what's going on. I've got an ability. Man, I'm great. I love this attention. Oof, yeah, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. This goes on and on and on until this becomes a major highway in his head. Now he's formed a way of thinking. A highway is in his head. You get an ability. Oof, it's all about me. I've got to look great. I've got to get better at doing magic tricks because the better I am, the more attention I get, the more I can boast. My name is really great. This is what's going on in Simon's head. Does it make any difference? Do we care? Does it matter what's going on in Simon's head? Well, let's keep reading and see what's happening. So he had amazed them for a long time. He's putting a highway in his head that looks like that. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. Woo! So... Simon's living over here, thinking like this, but now he's believed. Okay, exit. So here we have Simon, exiting. He can think a new way because he has the power now. He's enabled to think a new way, a righteous way. He can come over here to the way of holiness. But does he? Let's keep reading. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them And they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. And said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. So he's got a highway in his head that says, I already have this magical ability to perform all these magic tricks. And when you've got an ability, that must mean it's for me because I get a great name, I get lots of attention, I can boast about how good I am. Another ability? Whew, back in his head he's thinking, ability means me. But there's another way. He didn't have to think like that. He's asking for money because he's thinking money for me. Ability must mean money. Ability must mean it's all about me. But there's a way of holiness, a different way of thinking about abilities and gifts of the Holy Spirit, which he wasn't thinking. Let's read on. What did Peter say to this? Peter answered, I'm up to verse 20. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent. He says, repent. Repent. Repentance means change direction. Sin goes this way. It's a highway to hell. There's nowhere else to go. He says, repent, turn, change, think differently, worship differently, act differently. Repent. He says, repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. So you see, Simon said, I like the idea of exiting. That sounds good because he was watching them. So many people before him. Were believing, he liked this idea of exiting, but you know when it really came to the crunch, you can see that his thinking is still here. He thinks that gifts of the Holy Spirit should lead to something for him, but Peter notices it straight away. He's, he, he's identifying the thought that does not belong on the way of holiness. He's perfect, and some argue he was never perfect, but I'm not going into whether he was or wasn't. But God says to us in Hebrews, he says, you are made perfect because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, and we have faith in that and believe in that. But he says we are still being made holy. We have to turn. Repentance is turning and doing something different. It's thinking a new way. Let's not do a Simon. Don't get caught in doing what Simon did and thinking that, hey, this is great. It's all over, Red Rover, free from sin. He says, be very, very careful. To become more like Jesus, to overcome on a daily basis, we need to be coming back again and again and saying, Jesus, what is the way of holiness? He says, take captive of every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Cast down the stuff that doesn't belong to the truth. But we're not going to know whether the thought is good or bad if we're not in the truth, if we're not talking to Jesus, if we're not reading his word, if we have no clue about whether a thought belongs to the way of holiness or whether a thought is over here in the law of sin. We need this day-to-day interaction with Jesus so we can discern which thought to throw out and which thought to hold on to. Listen to the way the message um, describes what Peter said in verses 20 and 23. The message says it this way. Peter said, to hell with your money and you along with it. Why? That's unthinkable trying to buy God's gift. You'll never be part of what God is doing. You will never live the life you were meant to live, Simon. By striking bargains and offering bribes, change your ways. Repentance is about changing our ways. God's thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. We've got to change to become more like Jesus and we won't do it unless we understand that it starts with the way we think. Change your ways and now ask the master to forgive you for trying to use God to make money. I can see this is an old habit with you. You reek with money lust. You see, we think habits are, well, that's just me. That's just my habit. Can't change that. That's just the way I do things. That's just the way I think about things. But you see, an old habit is what got Simon into trouble, and an old habit can get you and me into trouble, unless we go back to Jesus and say, Is this habit something that's on the way of holiness or is this habit belong over here? Habits. You see, habits feel they feel kinda good. They feel pleasing, they feel desirable. Habits fit into the same category of the way Eve was tempted. Because that apple looked good, it looked pleasing and it looked desirable. We've got to understand that habits are a danger zone. It's like the story of the young man who was trying to win the affections of this lovely young girl. So he just adored this girl. He'd been watching this girl for a long, long time. And he thought to myself, if only I could get her attention. Right now, she won't even look at me. Right now, she won't even talk to me. She won't have anything to do with me. How can I get her attention? I'm in love with her. I I just have to be with this girl. She's the woman of my life. I'm sure I'm meant to marry her. So he says, I know what I'll do. I'll start writing her a love letter. So he writes the most beautiful love letter and sends it in the post. No response. He thinks to himself, oh, what can I do? He thinks, I'll write another love letter. That one didn't work. So the next day he writes her another love letter. And the next day, and the next day. And after a week of writing this long love letter to this girl of his dreams, still no response from this woman. So he thinks, only thing I can do is up the ante. He writes her three love letters every day the next week. This man wrote up to 700 love letters to this woman, this young girl that he was so in love with and was going to be the woman of his life. Do you know what happened? That young girl married the mailman. Do you understand that this man only had one way of thinking? He had a habit in his head. He had a highway in his head that said that linked two things – Me over here and I want to get the girl. The only way I can get the girl is express my love in a love letter. So that didn't work. Did he change anything? No. He just kept sending more and more and more, thinking, surely this will work. You see, habits are not necessarily going to be right Habits are just familiar. That's the only thing he knew how to do or the only way he thought he could get this girl. He had no other way. He was locked in. He was a slave to this habit. He knew no other way. He was locked in. There was no exit for him. He didn't know what else to do. He just went back to his habit thinking, that'll get me there. You see... He, he fell into it because habits are comfortable and habits are familiar but it doesn't make them right. Just because a thought or an action is familiar, it's, it's just familiar. That's got nothing to do with right or wrong. It's just how it feels. It may feel good. It may feel pleasing. It may feel desirable but it doesn't make it right. Okay. Let's look at this from a totally different perspective. Let's look at it in terms of solving a problem. So that young man had a problem to solve. He couldn't get that girl to talk to him or pay any attention to him. And he kept going, the, using it a habit. Let's look at a problem now from a totally different angle. This problem in front of you can be solved by preschool children in 5 to 10 minutes by programmers in an hour and by people with higher education will check for yourself. So a whole heap of examples are there given for you with the answer. You have to solve it for the last one. So the last figure is 2581 and you need to figure out what the answer is. So I'll give you a couple of minutes. Does anyone want a hint? You want a hint? Okay, so it's understanding that a preschool child does this in five to ten minutes. They're they're the ones that do it quickest. So you've got to stop thinking like an adult and start thinking like a preschooler. Do you want another hint? A preschooler, what do kids at preschool do? They paint and they colour in. So they may have a paintbrush in their hand or a colouring in pencil in their hand. Ooh, that's thinking outside the box. Let me tell you. Okay, what if I give you the answer? Okay, i give you one more hint, one more chance. 2581, the answer is two. Okay, let's look at 8809. That should be 2456. Is that 88096? Okay, this is how you do it. So I'm a preschooler. I often have a colouring in pencil in my hand. So what I do is I go, oh, wow, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. There's six little loops to colour in. Oh. Seven... Oh, no loops. Well, that must be zero. Two, four... Eight, one, two. <laughs> nah, that one doesn't count. <laughs> so you see, the problem... Oh, that's why, because that doesn't have a loop. The, the problem that we have is that when we look at a problem... We think that we have to do some mathematical twisty-turny thing. How did you go, Andrew? Were you doing some mathematical <laughs> twisty-turny thing up there? See, that the reason I got this is I'm no good at numbers, so I like this. Because I don't do the twisty-turny thing. I got this. I'm much more like a preschooler. The problem is we look at these things, we look at numbers... And in our head we have this motorway. We, we jump onto the M1 in our head and we go to the Gold Coast and we want to go fast. We want the motorway that goes 100 k's. We don't want to have to stop and exit. So when we face a problem, we go onto the motorway. Because the motorway is fast, it's familiar, it's comfortable, it feels good, it's pleasing, it's desirable because we've solved mathematical problems in the past at school and that's what we did. That's what we did when we went to numbers. We went on to the motorway automatically. It's so fast to go that way. And you see, to think any other way, this is fast, comfortable, comfortable and we know that we're going to get to the destination we've been to before, even though we don't like the destination and we don't want to go there, we still take the same road in our head because it's so familiar to us. The problem is to think differently. What Jesus is asking us to do is to get off the motorway in our head, which is so comfortable and so easy, it seems. And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to take an exit. I want you to take exit number one, the first one. And he says, but the thing is, this isn't a bitumen four-lane highway where you can go 100. This exit takes you onto a little dirt track. And in fact, there's not even a dirt track. In fact, you're going to have to get out of your car. You're going to have to now walk with me and hold my hand. And I'm going to lead you through and there's going to be cobwebs and there's going to be weeds and it's going to be uncomfortable. You cannot see where you're going. You have to rely on me because I'm going to get you to think another way. It's going to feel unfamiliar. It's not going to be like the world and it's not going to be fast the first time. But the second time, there's a little track that you and Jesus have worn through the bush and the third time, and the fourth time, until you don't take the motorway. You come over here and you make a new highway in your mind. It doesn't mean the motorway is not there tempting you. But the new way is the way of holiness. This is narrow. This is wide. But you've got Jesus' hand here. That's all you need. We've got to understand the power of the motorway in our head. And we've got to work every single day to get off the motorway. Is there a way out? In 1 Corinthians ten thirteen we read, No temptation that sin that's crouching at our door, if we're walking along here and have been walking with Jesus, there is always a temptation to come back over here. But he says to us, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. So instead of the devil saying to you, no one will understand this temptation. No one else has got it as bad as you. No one else is ever going to understand me. Don't believe the deception. The temptation is common to man. You see, sin thrives in silence. The devil thinks he's got you. He says, you're bad, you're really bad, you're worse than anybody else. No one will understand. And then you fall for it. But Jesus says to us, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. He says, take my hand, let's go. There's always a way out with Jesus so that you can stand up under it. You won't drown under it when your hand is in Jesus' hand. And what's the temptation look like? Why do we wander off the right path? What takes us away from the way of holiness? It's no different to what it was back in Genesis 3.6. It's something that sounds good to us in our mind. Something that feels pleasing to us. Something that seems desirable to us. It's like it's the same strategy. It just has different faces. 2 Corinthians says, we're not unaware of the devil's schemes. Here they are. He's still using the same schemes and we're falling for them unless we are actively renewing our mind, being new in the attitude of our mind, putting on the mind of Christ so that those temptations, those thoughts are in conflict with what we know are Jesus' thoughts. You see, depression is like that. People that get really depressed... They don't know why they're depressed. They often say they're really lost and it's a very dark, dark place. They say it's like a deep darkness. And they don't know how they got there and they don't know how to get out of it. But you see, that's what happens if we insist on following our own direction without God's guidance. In Proverbs 4.19, God says, Like deep darkness, they do not know what makes them stumble. That guilt is like, um, it's like a big dam that they've just dropped themselves into. It's horrible. Listening to people who are in that pit of darkness, it's, it's awful. And it's just hopeless and it's, it, they're just lost in it. But we have some answers and we have some solution. Jesus is the solution here is the solution to living the life we were meant to live. And the first step is to take responsibility for the way we've been thinking. We need to recognise that our own misguided wants and desires have taken us off the path of holiness and away from the ultimate fulfilment of living the life we were meant to live. We must start with taking responsibility if we try and cover our eyes and cover our ears and avoid everything, we'll never come to a place of confession and forgiveness and repentance. It's impossible. Isaiah says to us in chapter 26, 7 to 8, he says, The path of the righteous is level." O upright one, you make the way of the righteous smooth. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, walking in the way of your laws, not just reading and memorizing them, not just thinking, I looked at that, I've read this chapter before, but looking at it, reading, meditating, praying, thinking about it, and walking in the way of your lords. We wait for you. And then the litmus test for a thought. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. You see, Simon over here, for him, it was getting a great name for himself. But the way of holiness, thinking in the way of holiness, is our desire, is God's great name. We just sang it this morning. Is this thought going to lift up God's great name? Is this intention going to live up God's great name? Is this word I'm going to speak? Is this sentence I'm going to utter to somebody? Is this action I'm going to take? Is it lifting up God's great name? Or is there a selfish intent in our heart to lift up our own great name? You see, God says abilities and gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're not for us, for ourselves. They're for the common good, he says. They're for exhorting, they're for edifying, they're for encouraging, and they're for the comfort of others. Is this thought going to benefit others? Is it going to lift up God's great name? Stop and give that thought in your head a test. Is it going to benefit others if I think this way? Is it going to benefit others if I talk this way? Is it going to benefit others if I act this way? And is it going to lift up God's great name? Or is this something that myself is thinking, this feels good and pleasing and desirable if I'm looking good, if I'm looking great? Don't fall for the trap that Simon fell into. It's God's great name we're here to exalt, not our own. The thinking pathway... That is the way of holiness Is to think about how we can lift God's great name with our life That's the life we were meant to live Isaiah says And a highway will be there So no matter where you are Whether you're here or here or here The highway is there Jesus' hand is outstretched to hold yours No matter where you are The highway will be there There is Another way to think. God's way is always there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. So they will not know it. They will not tell you about it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Jesus' way. He is the way. Wicked fools will not go on it. So, living the life we are meant to live is dependent on the choice we make every time we have a thought. Do we take it captive to be obedient to Christ on the way of holiness? Or do we decide we like the sound of that thought? It's good, it's pleasing, it's desirous to ourselves. You see, living the life we are meant to live depends. Every single day on the highway you choose to think on. A thought is an opportunity to get onto the highway of holiness and become a little bit more like Jesus. And that takes time and that's a daily sanctification process. So which highway of thought will you choose? The devil's schemes are no different today to what they were back in the book of Genesis. We are faced with exactly the same choice and exactly the same problem as Eve and Adam. We have a choice to make. Whose word in our head are we going to trust? Will we trust the serpent's word A word, a thought in our head that sounds like, this feels good, this feels pleasing, this feels desirable. Or, are we going to trust God's word on the way of holiness? It's a daily, it's a minute by minute choice. Think about this morning, as you were getting ready to come to church, what were you thinking about? Were those thoughts on the way of holiness? Were you thinking about how to make God's name great today? Were you thinking about what you could say to benefit others today? God says to you today, be careful about the way you think. As a man thinketh, so is he, it says. In our beautiful word that God gives us, he says every minute of every day, You need to choose. You've got two choices. And we've only got a choice because we're no longer a slave to sin. This is the freedom we have. We have a choice now. We never used to even have this choice. We're given this choice. You make the right choice, you can live the life you are meant to live. You make the wrong choice, Jesus says, "I'll, I'll make a way out for you but come back. Don't stay there too long. You'll make another highway in your head. He says, I'm here for you. Take my hand. You see, to have a Christian worldview of psychology, we need a Christian worldview of our problem, which was a sin problem and is a sin problem if we choose to be tempted by sin. And the solution is the same confession forgiveness repentance let's pray Lord we are just so thankful that you give us a way out that you provide an exit off the highway that doesn't lead to you or to the life that you want us to live to stand and walk in the way of holiness Lord Help us, Lord, to discern which thoughts to cast down and which thoughts to hold on to, to meditate on, and to live out in our lives. Help us, Lord, not to be caught up on the highway of old thinking. Help us to put off old thinking, Lord. Help us to put on the new self that you created for us. Thank you for creating a new self for us, Lord. Help us to put on the new creation that you made in us, Lord Jesus. We pray that we keep coming back to you, asking you to help us to deconstruct the old highways, to get back on the way of holiness, to make your name great, Lord. Help us not to be tempted to make our own name great. Help us to see how the gifts that you've given every single person in this room are a gift to benefit others. Help us to exhort one another with our gifts, to comfort one another, to encourage one another, to edify one another, Lord. Help us to get our heads off ourselves and onto your beautiful children and onto those that don't know you yet. Help us, Lord, in every thought, in every action to make your name great. We bow before you today in your holy, holy name. Amen.